0: We got goals, a podcast by a on which we talk to high achievers about their goals. I'm Gina Anderson Cohen, founder and CEO of a And on today's episode of we got goals, you're going to hear less from me and more from a panel that we recently featured as a part of our take a mental health day event. We wanted to host a day where we really stepped back and modeled the behavior of actually taking a day off for your mental health. We featured speakers, workouts, and workshops. I was struggling on what to name an empathy workout, but we'll call it a workshop uh, all throughout the day on May 20th. And now you're going to get to hear one of our favorite moments from the day. And that was a panel that we called Loving Yourself Today. That panel was moderated by Natalie Villarule. Um, she's a storyteller, a plant mom, a marathon, a triathlete, and a member of Team USA. We love to call out that she's a plant mom and a lizard mom, and we will never stop doing that. Natalie is also one of a sweat life's ambassadors. uh, And we were so grateful that she could also moderate this panel. We also had on the panel, Representing Project Healthy Minds, Dr. Marissa Toops. She's a board certified psychiatrist. She also gave a ton of really great input on finding a mental health professional and also language that you should listen to and use in your search for a mental health professional. You'll hear from Charlotte Oxnam, who you've heard on this podcast before. She's the founder of Cue the Curves, which is a community and social platform that empowers plus-size women to find their fit, as well as their style and clothing. And then to round it out, we had Gianluca Russo. He's a freelance fashion writer. He also writes about culture, but you'll hear him um, talk about his columns, as well as the community he's built. He writes a column for Nylon that is titled Plus Us. Uh, and he's also working on a forthcoming book, which is called The Power of Plus. That's also the name of the community that he's built. And now here's Natalie with the panel.
1: Here yeah, I sit, I'll be on the road, I'll
2: be back. I'm just reaching for a goal. So don't be upset. All right.
3: Well, uh, no need to introduce myself. You guys got a good background of who I am. So um, if we could start with you, Marissa, if you want to introduce yourself and talk a little bit about what you do.
1: Yeah, so I'm a a psychiatrist, and um, I am specially trained in treating patients with complicated depression, um, but try to serve all of my patients um, across their spectrum of needs. And I have a particular interest in um, how physical health and mental health are related to each other and do a lot of work in things like exercise. Um, diet, talking about inflammation, and all kinds of other um, issues that people find are important in their mental health, and I'm delighted to get to be here today and work with all of you guys. Awesome. Excited to have you. Um, Gianluca, if you
3: want to talk a little bit about yourself, do a quick intro.
2: Yeah, absolutely. My name is Gianluca Russo. I am a fashion and culture writer and the founder at The Power of Plus, which is a size inclusive digital community in that promoting respect and style for all bodies, Um, I run a column at Nylon uh, called Plus Us that kind of talks about the discrimination towards plus-size bodies today and what it's like to navigate the world uh, in a larger body. And a lot of my work centers on the intersection of size with culture and representation.
3: Thank you. Excited to see you again. And then Charlotte, if you want to
4: give an intro to yourself as well. Yeah, I'm Charlotte Oxnam. I'm the founder of Cue the Curves. Like John Luca, our goal is to really support plus-size women specifically in their experiences around fashion and shopping and reinvent that process. We are an online app and website that allows conversations around clothing brands and discoveries so that plus-size women can truly discover their own style by being given options for lots of different clothing.
3: Awesome. Thank you. Um, so just to kind of set the tone and get things started, uh, something I did want to touch on before we kind of dig into like the meat and potatoes, so to speak, um, if we could kind of touch about language and how that intersects with mental health as it concerns bodies and body positivity. So, um, Charlotte, this is something we kind of talked about. So if you want to get started on that.
4: Yeah, I think it's really important. The words we're using when we're describing ourselves and describing others, um, Terms like fat um, are terms that in recent years have really been taken back by the plus size community in certain ways, but are still used in negative connotations in other ways. I personally choose to use plus size to describe um, myself and others like me, Um, but it is really important that we're using language that is respectful and honoring of other people versus using words that are descriptors, but instead using them as a way to pull people down.
3: All right, cool. Um, so I thought a good way to kind of get the conversation started would be to talk about something that was a recurring theme in all of these conversations, which is really about journey. So you know, everybody, whether you're plus size, straight size, whatever the case may be, we're all on a different journey of accepting our own bodies and how that relates to our mental health. So, um, Gianluca, if you want to kind of get us started on. Maybe like talking about journey and how that relates to mental health and you know the importance of honoring not only your own journey, but that of others as well.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think what happens so often when we're talking about body positivity or self-love or any kind of these related topics is that so often we focus on our destination and a singular point to reach and to work towards. But rather I think it's more healthier and, and more just attainable when we focus on the journey aspects. And I think One of the best parts of being a human is getting to go on that journey. And of course, that looks different for all of us. It doesn't matter what size you are or who you are or your background. All of us go on our own individual personal journeys and they're all going to look different. But we need to be able to give ourselves the space to really enjoy that journey and to feel those emotions and to remember that sometimes the journey is going to be great and we're going to hit those milestones and those really great moments. And then at other times we'll sink and it'll be darker moments, but every step is still a step forward. And I think that's what I try to focus on in my own mental health journey, and I know others as well, is that instead of viewing something as a step forward or a step back, I try to change my mindset to just view it as another chapter, right? So the chapters continue, it's nothing forward or back, it's just towards the larger story that's being written about yourself. So I think the more that we give ourselves the space to really focus on the journey aspect here, the more kind of love we can extend to ourselves and and giving ourselves the time and the energy to really grow into the person we want to become rather than feeling like we can never reach this kind of unattainable ideal at the end of perfect body positivity.
3: Absolutely. Charlotte, I know you probably have some stuff to add to that as well.
4: Yeah, I totally agree with everything John Luca just said. I think the other thing is in terms of other people, I think there's such a a nature to compare ourselves with where we are on our journey versus where other people are on their journey. And what I have to remind myself and I try to remind others is that we also all started at different places. I know for me, especially growing up as a plus size girl, I had a lot of issues with my body image that sort of pulled me back behind the group almost. And I felt like everyone was like getting to loving themselves faster. It was so much easier for them and that made it really hard for my personal journey. Um, so recognizing that I had had those sort of extra weight been pulled back a little bit um, in the in the race, so to speak, um, helped me a lot to realize that it needed to be about my individual journey and not about comparing where I was with myself to where other people's were with themselves. Absolutely, and also recognizing that
3: you know other people's journeys and kind of being respectful of where they're going, because like, there's this expectation that people need to stay a certain way and that they're like, this is how I met them. And so this is what they need to be forever. And people are allowed to grow and change and evolve and become different things. And, you know, that, that could manifest itself in a lot of different ways, but, you know, also holding space for those people in their journeys. Um, Marissa, I don't know if you have anything you want to add into that.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of times when it, it's about your relationship with yourself and like any other relationship you don't like, sometimes you're annoyed with your, you know, if you're married, you're not going to go 50 years and never be annoyed with your husband. And sometimes you're going to be annoyed with yourself and you're not always going to feel positive all the time every day, but that doesn't mean that you are not in a long-term committed relationship with yourself to love yourself as good as you can. So um, I, I, I definitely have people that um, would talk a lot about sometimes that, being positive feels like a burden. Um, it's not always easy and that's okay too.
4: Yeah. I think also the social media aspect of it all in that people share their lives in different ways Yeah, and recognizing that what you're seeing isn't the whole picture always. I am someone who have chosen to sort of put my life out and my struggles out on the internet, but not everyone does that. Um, and recognizing that and recognizing what you think is going on with someone is not always what's actually going on with someone. And that there's a lot that's happening behind the screen, behind the conversations you're having and respecting and honoring that as well.
2: And I think there is kind of this important aspect to remember is that a majority of people are putting out a highlight reel on social media, right? Like it's not the full picture. It's a very curated look into the best parts of their lives. And so even the people who are more authentic and share more, you know, 360 in the entire picture, it kind of the flip side to that is then the pressure to always be authentic. And, and what does that mean? So on both sides, there's really this kind of pressure of either looking perfect all the time, or how do I look imperfect and be relatable? And so on both sides, there's really a lot to navigate. So I think it's important to also remember the balance there and how and realizing how it can affect you and shape you and really figuring out. What exactly works for you and it makes you feel the best? Because the way it is for someone else is going to be so different. And social media is great for many reasons, but worse for many others. And so it's important to kind of figure out that balance.
3: Yeah, for sure. That, by the way, like being in a long-term relationship with yourself—that's going to be like my like buzz sentence that I'm going to keep from this, uh, because that's just like such a good way to put it that I hadn't thought of. So, um, but. That being said, in terms of like finding balance, and this is also kind of something that um, you said about like, you know, it's not always going to be positive to kind of talk about body neutrality, right? So we have this idea of body positivity, like love yourself and, you know, like point out things that you really like about your body or whatever the case may be. And sometimes it's just a matter of existing, right? Like I'm proud of my body. Today I was able to walk a mile or whatever the case may be, like celebrating what your body can do rather than what your body looks like and kind of reframing the way that you celebrate yourself. So uh, we'll start with Charlotte for this one.
4: Yeah, I was talking about this with someone the other day, and I think a sentence that really hit home to me was that I'm working towards body positivity, but that also means working out of body negativity, and that there's a journey there and a path, and we don't all start at neutral. Um, And so I really like having body neutrality as sort of this beautiful middle step that feels really attainable and real. And when I get in those spaces where I'm down on myself, instead of trying to force myself to almost fake it till I make it of loving myself, I can reframe and look at myself as my body is letting me do what I want to do. And it's about me as a person and me as a soul versus me physically and the space I'm taking up and how I look. Um, and that is a lot easier of a mind frame to get into than to jump all the way into the, my body's perfect. I love every part of it. Um, so I think body, it's a really important phase to be able to be in and stage to get to that can break out of those negative cycles.
3: For sure. And if anybody else has uh, thoughts on that as well, feel free
1: to jump in. There's a, I think there's a huge value to just acceptance. And I like the way you're talking about is being neutral. And if that's where you are, you can't get any place else if you're not standing firmly on the place that you are right today. And so sometimes the place that you are today is mixed up or hard or difficult, but that's where you, that's how you start to move. You know, you can, you have a nice place to push off of when you are honest with yourself. And sometimes honesty is about something that you don't like.
3: Yeah. And I think um, one of the things that I'm hoping you can kind of elaborate on Gianluca is about this idea of self-worth, right? Like that, that worth never goes away. Um, So you might not have the self-love all the time, but you're still worthy if you want to, you put it a lot better than I did. So I'll let you get into that.
2: Yeah, well, I think body neutrality is great for a lot of people. And I think it's much more attainable and relatable for a lot of people than what body positivity has become. um, Because we've seen body positivity become really commercialized in a lot of ways. And so body neutrality feels much more relevant to people um, and much more within reach for those who really want to work on this journey. But I think the important thing to remember with Biden neutrality, um, and this is what I take away from it in my own personal life, is to focus on the fact that however you feel about yourself one day, that will waver. But regardless of that, your worth will always remain the same, if not increase as you do more and, and become greater. And so that's what I really try to focus on here, is I think so often, we view ourselves so negatively and, and so harshly, more so than outside people do. And so, so often we talk about the way that society treats us, but the way that we treat ourselves is often why we view ourselves as less worthy. So even when we're given opportunities, we might feel like, oh, we're not worthy of it. Even if we're receiving out, uh, outside you know, um, praise at, for it and, and we're getting these opportunities, but we feel like we're not worthy because of the way we view ourselves. I think that's a really important aspect of body neutrality is learning that your worth will always remain the same, no matter how you feel about yourself, no matter what's happening externally. And When you're able to do that, you're still able to give yourself the space and the confidence to step into your own lane. And I think that's an important part of the journey towards working towards being body positive and and having a a good grasp on self-love is realizing that your worth is the most important thing that you should always be holding on to.
3: 1 million thousand percent. So kind of also with that conversation, there's a lot of bias, right? Especially when, as it relates to people in larger bodies. Um, And so this is something I'm hoping, Marissa, you can kind of expound upon a little bit more that there's also this misconception that like people in larger bodies don't experience the same things as, you know, smaller people that they don't have eating disorders or things like that. There's a lot of, you know, um, bias there. So if you can kind of touch on that a little bit.
1: Yeah. And so uh, it is actually really tragic to me talking to patients. And so um, particularly when I've had patients who have had really serious problems with food um, and have sometimes then been like morbidly obese and then recovered from that and their weight has normalized somewhat all the time, they have a horrible experience of realizing how differently they're treated when their body changes. Um, And it's really horrible that that happens to people. I mean, I, it is, but it is so consistent that it it does. Um, And I, I, I think the idea of internalizing that is just so important because people walk around believing about themselves, what they're have had reflected to them. Um, And there's not maybe much that any of us can do in an instant about the biases that other people have towards us, but being aware of how you might be carrying those biases around inside can make a huge difference in, in recognizing your value and, um, being able to value yourself.
3: Yeah. Especially when you have people who like, I joked about this yesterday that think that they have like a Google PhD and they're like, well, you have a larger body. So clearly you must be unfit or unhealthy and not know, you know, not have any kind of medical background. And so we, this idea of health is sort of elusive because like, what does that really, what does that
1: really mean? Yeah. I mean, I, I hear people who are very like accomplished professionals, they get passed over and people who are, they are the expert and other people will tell them, treat them as if they don't know anything. And, um, and that can be really demoralizing for that to happen.
3: Absolutely. Um, So to kind of pivot towards a more like positive channeling that, back to you guys, Charlotte and Gianluca, kind of, I guess, what was the catalyst for, you know, what you decided to do, how you sought out and then built a community to really kind of work towards more positive changes? So Gianluca, you want to get started?
2: Sure. Yeah. Uh, When, before I launched my community, I was constantly having conversations with people from within the plus size community and within the Kirby space to really kind of understand the shared issues and and the shared feelings that we all have. Um, And to really tell the stories of all these incredible women who for so long had kind of been rejected from the mainstream and whose stories weren't being told. And I felt like there needed to be a space for everyone to come together to just talk and to express and feel seen. And we've definitely seen success on the internet for similar spaces of other marginalized communities. And so I was in conversation with my close friends about it. And we just thought that creating a space where we could have really impactful conversations around racism in the plus size industry and colorism and by neutrality and similar things would be such a great moment. And so we kind of pulled this community idea together and worked on it. Um, and we received so much support over the past year. And it's been really great because we've been able to connect with so many people internationally who just want a place to feel seen and just find a place to and I think that's what so many of us just want is to just talk for a little and just feel like we're being actually heard and really represented. And I think so often in the fashion industry, there's this smoke screen of fake representation that goes up where they're like, oh, we'll put Ashley Graham on this cover and you're good. And it's like, OK, but where is like the real representation, like the true representation? And so that's what people are craving so much nowadays. And so kind of our goal with our community is to be able to provide that for them and to provide a real resource. And then, of course, in addition to the kind of the representation aspect, we have so many other things we you know, are doing and plan to do in terms of providing resources for, you know, mental health care, eating disorder care, weight discrimination care, all these other kind of everyday struggles that you wouldn't realize unless you live in a larger marginalized body, um, but that people within our community face every day. So. Our goal is to become a place where people can go to have conversation um, and to find really valuable resources that before now uh, haven't been so easily available.
3: Yeah, and also, um, which I you didn't mention it, but we talked about it yesterday, that also within that is like amplifying those voices, right? Like that, you know, um, giving a platform to people that might not always have one is such an important piece of that as well that you guys are doing an amazing job with. Um, Charlotte, if you want to talk about
4: I describe Cue the Curves as a gift to sort of my younger self. I designed it really around this core issue I was experiencing of feeling super isolated when it came to clothing and fashion. It's sort of the quintessential plus size experience. It's one of the like key ways that we're getting pushed to the outside. And I Struggled so much growing up in middle school and in high school, not being able to dress like my friends, not being able to go to the same stores and all of the different sort of emotional journeys that came with that. Um, So I built Cue the Curves originally as just a clothing directory for a way for younger plus size women to be able to find trendy and cute clothes and maybe smaller brands that they hadn't been exposed to before. Um, And from there, we've grown into this platform to then have conversations around these brands and really hold them accountable, both the smaller brands and the larger brands who have dominated the space for so long without really listening and internalizing plus size um, perspectives and opinions on their products. Um, We're seeing a lot of really big mass market retailers where a lot of our users are talking about how much they dislike them, but they feel like they have no other option. And so they're forced into supporting them and forced into buying their clothes anyways. Um, So we're trying to give both the options of finding other stores, really finding your style and clothes that you love, as well as holding these bigger brands and more established brands accountable when they're not serving the plus size community well.
3: Yeah, definitely. And there's such a huge connection between that experience of like shopping, fashion, clothing, and its impact on your mental health. Cause like me as an athlete, the, you know, I was super excited. The first time I qualified for Team USA, I had been working towards it for years. I had set a goal for myself and I was like, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to do it. It's going to be great. It's going to be like the greatest experience. And I was on cloud nine when I found out that I qualified and that all came crashing down the day that I had to order my uniform. So it, they, they, They only go up to a two X and there was only one option. It was like an open back one piece. And I was like, okay, I'm, I'm like on a hope and a prayer. Let me, I'll order this and see how it goes. And when it came in, I joked to friends, but I actually cried when I tried it on, but I was joking. I was like, oh, you know, it was harder to get into this kit than it was to qualify for team USA. And it legitimately, like, I was afraid that if I farted, like it would just turn to shreds because it was so tight on my body. And I just sat in my bed and I cried. I was like, how am I going to compete in this? I can barely get my body into it. And if it doesn't fit, like I can't compete, there's no larger size and you have to have the team kit in order to compete in a world championship. So it was really devastating. And I struggled with like, you know, I should be excited because I qualified for team USA and I'm going to have this amazing experience, but then to on the flip side, have something that's ill-fitting and there weren't any other options. Like I had a really difficult time with that and didn't have anybody that I could really talk through with that with. It was just like, I, it's a, it's a big thing. And so I understand when people are like, oh, I'm frustrated. This didn't fit the way I wanted to. And I'm like, yeah, but you have options like that. At least you found something that did fit. And even from a safety perspective, when it comes to like sporting and outdoors, you know, like even when it comes to like flotation devices, those only go up to a certain size. And so a lot of larger body people, even for safety reasons, are kept from those experiences simply because there aren't enough, you know, safety equipment things that are in larger sizes, which is super unfortunate because think about all these things that, you know, you you are barred access to simply because of your size. So that Mm -hmm. I think, I mean, obviously, I'll defer to Marissa on this one in terms of like, impact of that on your mental health. But I mean, I know for me, like as somebody who does a lot of outdoor things, that's definitely something that's always kind of front of mind for me.
4: Yeah. I remember literally being left out of photos because I couldn't wear the brand that all of my friends were wearing and they were like, yeah, but you don't like your outfit doesn't match. So you can't be in the photos. And those types of moments are so difficult to deal with.
1: I really think though that there's a, compared to when I was younger and now there's been so much work by like organizations, like groups like yours, where it has changed a lot. And for younger women and just younger patients in general, I, I feel like there's a difference and that has impacted everyone where I feel like if I see an ad for a company and the women all look like skinny models, then I don't want to buy clothes for them. Like there's just no excuse for doing it anymore. Um, it's too exclusionary and, and people feel like they don't, you can't exist in the world. So when you're going to talk about mental health. I mean, I think human beings are social and we want to be part of communities. And if you feel like you can't be, um, it's terrible. It's horrible for people's mental health. And it's one of the big reasons why people become really depressed and, um, and that it influences all of these things like eating disorders and other ways that then we try to, cope with that feeling in ways that aren't healthy. Definitely.
3: Something you touched on, which I thought was important, which is, you know, um, being aware and mindful of the ways that brands are marketing or even what sizes they go up to, because that's something as an ally, you know, like seek out brands that have extended sizes, seek out brands that are showing representation, not only of different body types, but also, you know, like just, a whole range of different things whether it's race or you know different differently abled bodies just different things like seek those brands out and encourage them so they continue doing that work um if you guys want to jump in and talk about some other ways or experiences that you've had with people being allies for you
4: yeah i'm a i'm a huge proponent of put your money where your mouth is um and buying clothes is one of the best ways to do that whether you are plus size or straight size I think straight size people have a lot more effect on that space right now because they are going to be what sways the market towards size inclusive shopping since the plus size shoppers are already there. Um, I tell the story of a friend of mine who I grew up with who's now my best friend who went into the mall with me and purposefully made sure every store we went in offered clothes in my size. So I got to spend a day at the mall like anyone else and I didn't have to worry about if I was gonna be able to shop in every store that we went into. And it was moments like those that were super impactful on me growing up. And I think is such a great way to show to be an ally to larger bodies.
3: For sure. Does anybody else have anything they wanna chime in to add to that?
4: I would just
2: say, just going back to what we we're talking about before in terms of amplifying voices, I think that's kind of the core for me on allyship is really amplifying those with different perspectives than you, and especially those who fall under deeper marginalizations and intersections. And I think when you take the time to do that, it has the biggest impact and the best impact. So I think that's really important, um, but just across the board, to really amplify other voices, because we have to remember that our perspective is so limited, no matter how many conversations we have. If we don't have a lived experience, we can only understand so much. And we need to understand when it's our time to talk and when it's our time to listen. And I think people need to do a lot more listening than talking. Um, And so that would definitely be kind of my center uh, message there is to really amplify other voices and intently seek out other perspectives. I think a lot of times people will wait until something big happens to amplify someone to try to learn. Um, But we should be really proactive in doing that. And I think that just shows a good ally, someone who is... Proactive um, and intently seeks out amplifying other people. Um, and it's very easy to recognize someone who does that rather than someone who falls on the line of being performative.
3: Absolutely. And also the I think the biggest piece for somebody who seeks to be an ally is to educate yourself. Like don't expect members of those marginalized communities to be the one to do the labor for you and explain why something should matter or you know different things. And I think it's okay to ask questions, but show that you're making an effort first, you know, take that first step, do some research on your own. And then if you're confused about something or whatever the case may be, then ask some questions, but don't just come in with the mindset that people should have to explain things to you. Um, Definitely, if you seek to be an ally, the biggest first step I think of that is to educate yourself.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Because you don't want to ever, you know, You don't want to ever ask someone who falls under, you know, a deep marginalization to exert emotional labor for your benefit when it's something that you can easily find online or easily educate yourself on. So I think that's the important thing is a lot of times people will ask others to do the work for them. And I think being a good ally means doing it for yourself first.
3: And then in terms, since uh, both you guys have built communities, you know, for yourselves, but also, you know, the world at large. Like, why do you think that that aspect of community is so important, especially like your representation within that community? You want to go first, John Luca? Sure. Uh,
2: I think in my view, and my life, community is everything, especially for people who have felt alone for a majority of their lives. And I think that's why all of this work is so important. Because if you ask any plus-size person or any person who has lived in any marginalized body um, if they felt alone growing up, 90% of them will say yes, because 90% of them were alone. They were always the other. And I think being the other often gives you a very negative mindset about yourself, that when you're able to actually connect with a community for the first time who understands and who allows you to just breathe and talk and feel seen, it is the most transformative thing. And I have personally experienced that. And I know so many people have. And so that's, I think, the most special thing about a community is getting able to feel that transformative power for the first time and then feeling so embraced and knowing that there's somewhere where you can go where you are not the other, but you are the one. And so I think that's why community is so important and that's why social media has helped in that aspect to bring people together in a way that has never happened before because when you can so easily connect with someone who understands everything without you having to explain it, it's the most refreshing feeling possible.
4: Yeah, I think the, the end of what John Lucas said was exactly how I feel in the sense of not having to go into every space and plan to explain every decision you have made, every action you have, Um You know, I don't join conversations with certain people when it comes to fashion and clothing because I don't want to have to explain the entire world of the fact that I can't shop at the stores they're talking about and that certain things aren't offered to me. That's just mentally exhausting. And for my own sake, I remove myself from those conversations, which is really isolating. Um, And so to be able to have a space you can walk into and not have to do that introductory explanation but in that extra mental effort and truly just have the conversation that you want to have that all of your friends can normally have sitting around a table um, is really, really refreshing and frankly, life-changing for a lot of people.
3: Yeah, there is a question that came in for you, Marissa, about that kind of sense of belonging and how that relates to mental health and even, um, you know, self-esteem as as that all kind of connects to one another.
1: Yeah, and I think a, a big... Uh, I think the most important concept here is the concept of attachment. And so this is a really important for people's mental health. And so you're able to make a secure, safe attachment to people around you. Um, And that's both important on an individual level, like who is my friend and, or my partner, but also the community level. And, and I think there is something to the idea that when you you get exhausted by the cognitive load of being someplace where you constantly have to question whether or not you can do that with people or you can just relax and do it. Um, And it is, it's an incredible amount of stress Um, and it, and I, I understand how it can become that you wonder whether it's worth the effort after a little while. And so really having some places to relieve that is really important. And it's important that people love you as you are. Definitely. That's like, there's a a group
3: of plus size triathletes that I'm a part of. And like, that was a game changer for me as a triathlete. Cause when I first started, I was like, cool, cool. Nobody here looks like me. This is, this is real awkward. There's like no people of color and no plus size people. So I really stick out a lot. So finding that community was such a huge game changer for me and feeling comfortable and then really going after my goals and like, you know, stepping into that part of who I was becoming as a triathlete, which like still kind of feels weird to say, but that aspect of community is just so important to not only on your own journey, but to also help others because once they see you, you know, doing certain things or accomplishing things, then others feel encouraged to do the same, which I think is also really important
1: you have the mental resources to help other people when you feel more secure too. Um, It is, it is critical for people not to be anxious all the time and questioning themselves all the time. Yeah.
3: Especially that anxiety as it relates to shopping, like that is such like so tied into self-esteem, especially as you're younger, like having difficulty even I remember, like being young, and most of you know girls that I went to school with were shopping in the junior section. I was like, "Yeah, I don't fit into that, so I'm going to go to the women's section where there's nobody. And there's not really any homecoming dresses, but hopefully, I find something." And so it's this really alienating experience, right? Especially navigating that as a younger person, um, trying to figure out what to do, or like, you know, am I still going to look cool if I get this dress that like somebody's mom probably wore to a wedding? I don't know, but I'll make it work. So definitely, I think that ties in so much with self-esteem. I don't know if you have anything, Charlotte or Gianluca, that you want to add to that.
4: Yeah, truly. I mean, physically being sent to the back corner of a store is a very demoralizing experience to have to like remove yourself and to go to the back um, and then not even find great stuff when you're there. I, I totally relate with that. I remember being so scared to go prom dress shopping. I was convinced I was only going to do it online and wasn't even going to get the experience of trying on clothes until a friend of my's mom, <laughs> mine's mom texted me and let me know that a local shop had plus size prom dresses. And she was like, you should go check it out. Um, but It is a very, stores are designed to sort of isolate plus size people in really, really upsetting and problematic ways.
3: Yeah, and I know, um, John Luke, I know that's something that you kind of seek to work on is being you know, an advocate for change in that and trying to work with some brands. I don't know, I don't want to like give too much away if you're not like talking about that yet in terms of long-term goals, but if you kind of want to speak a little bit, whatever you're comfortable with on that.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think even today, we are seeing so many brands that are hesitant to expand, uh, expand their size range or to um, extend into the plus size market. And I think, you know, now more than ever, we have um, an abundance of information that shows why it's important. So a lot of it now is reworking the, the inners of a brand and help them to really understand why exactly um, this customer needs to be served and deserves to be and what that kind of return on investment is there. Um, so I think a lot of brands now are trying it. Um, a lot of them are doing it wrong. And I think that's because they don't talk about the community aspect. And I think the key to really serving this customer is to center her in the conversation. So those brands that are actually able to look at this community, connect with them and use the community in the inside the brand are the ones who are able to make the most long lasting change and impact and who develop trust within the community. And I think once you're able to develop trust, That's kind of the best thing. So whether it's working with you know, top influencers and consultants within the community who know exactly what this customer wants um, or going directly to the community and having these really frank and open conversations, Uh, I think more brands need to do that and just be more transparent with the process, but also to pick up the pace, of course, and things are much slower than they should be in this regard. Um, But it's something that I, of course, uh, have worked on and I've consulted with many brands and we continue to do that. Um, And we just hope to bring kind of our community aspect to the brand and to show them what exactly this customer wants, what she's waiting for, um, and why she deserves to be seen more now than ever. So that's kind of our hope is to be able to to really open brands' eyes and to show them the importance here. Because you can give them all the facts they want, but if they can't understand the real message and the real importance, they'll never be able to tackle this market in a really uh, impactful way.
3: Yeah. And something that you mentioned there um, relates to one of the questions I just saw in the chat, which is, you know, what brands are are doing it well and what influencers are a good source to follow to get some of that content that relates to body positivity um, or advocating for differently sized people. So if there's any brands that you love or people that you think everyone should follow, if anyone has anything to throw out there.
4: I I mean, obviously, John Luke and I keep the Curves and Power Plus. We're both, both trying to do that, both amplifying those voices. I really love following Gabby Fresh. I think she's been really authentic and put out some really cool clothes in collaboration with some other brands that I have really loved. Um, it's hard. There's a lot of smaller clothing brands I really like. Um, there's one called Smart Glamour that is doing some really cool stuff around size inclusive shopping. And, um, I mentioned this the last time I talked to Natalie, but Ula Popkin, which goes very far in their size inclusive range. And I really have loved their stuff. I think it really comes down to like your personal style though. I, I don't love to like recommend one specific brand because I think it makes it seem like, you know, one store will fit everyone's needs and that's not not totally the case, but um, I'd love to hear John Lucas.
2: Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, there's so many people. But I think in terms of brands, I really love what Eloquii is doing right now. I think they're doing some great initiatives around the intersection of race and size. That's really important. Um, and so I really love the way that Eloquii has tackled that conversation over the past year. And there are, of course, some similar brands um, as well that are trying to do good. I think Fashion to Figure has a really good um, view on who their customer is and how to support, you know, especially marginalized influencers within the plus community, um, especially, you know, black influencers within the plus community. So I think they're great. Um, The people I look to, I mean, I love Gabby Greg as well. I think I also look to Nicolette Mason a lot. She's really great. Um, Some other people I love, you know, Kelly Brown is a great one. uh, And Lyris Cross is one of my favorite people who's a model who speaks out on this a lot. Um, I think the great thing is if you go to any one of their Instagrams, within maybe five seconds, you'll be able to see a list of other people to follow because everyone is so interconnected. And I think that's what's great is just by going and following Gabby Craig on Instagram, you'll automatically be, be able to see everyone else that she follows and has regular conversations with. So I think that's always a great thing is to find one person you really resonate with and then see who they're connected to. And then you of just Spiral from there. Um, and that's what's definitely helped me the most to connect with people and find people who I think have incredible perspectives that need to be talked about and presented more.
3: Yeah. Um, and for the athletic side, so somebody mentioned that uh, one of the brands that I think is doing real really well with that is Superfit Hero. They have extended sizes, probably the most extensive I've seen from any athletic wear brand. Another is R Sport, where they have specifically tailored things towards Athena. Triathlete means any triathlete, well female triathlete that's 165 pounds or over, which like is a whole other conversation that you have to get weighed in at a race in order to be considered Athena. But our sport, that's how they they started. That's you know their main focus is Athena athlete. So both of those brands, I think are doing really well in terms of creating athletic wear that's really inclusive in terms of influencers in the athletic space. I love Myrna Valerio. If you guys are not following her, definitely check out Myrna. She is incredible. Um, another one who also posts a lot of workouts is Moritz Summers, who I love. So those would be, and Kanoa Green, those would be my suggestions for things, you know, people to follow or brands to follow within the athletic space. Somebody just said Meg Boggs as well. Uh,
4: amazing. I love her. <laughs>
3: Sorry, I'm trying to also scroll through questions here. So the other part of that um, question was about what you think of body positivity across gender norms. So this is something we did kind of touch on that, you know, typically in general, men are allowed to take up space, but women aren't. So like, how does anybody, we'll start with, we'll start with Marissa, if you have thoughts on that.
1: I mean, I have to say my experience from working with patients is that the male patients, do have some of the same experiences as the women. Um, and that some of it is, it is though this intersectional, um, phenomenon where it's a combination of their gender, their race, um, how their body is perceived. Um, and men certainly, um, I think sometimes they get away with it a little bit more and it's less painful for them or they're just Um, Trained to not be as aware of it in some cases, but I'm not sure it's always true.
2: I would add to that too that I think that when you talk about talking about past gender, looking past gender norms. So, if we're looking at men specifically, uh, the issue there, if we're looking at body image, is much more tied into toxic masculinity than we're talking about with women. So, kind of. It, to your point, Mercer, it is a different experience. There are kind of the things that are similar, but it's the reason behind it that's different. And so um, there are many studies on the fact that as you add more weight to the body, you lose traditionally masculine features, which leads you to being viewed as not man enough. And so much of the body dysmorphia and body image issues there is tied to this feeling of not being man enough because of the way media and Hollywood and all of the above has presented what a man looks like. And so that's a really big issue that I think men face, whereas women, of course, are not going to face that issue. So it is there are similarities, and I think there's much more similarity people realize, but there are these big differences that have to be tackled. And of course, statistically, we know that men open up about these issues like body image much less likely to talk about them than women are as well. And so they're much more likely to internalize them, which then leads, of course, to hidden mental health disorders and eating disorders and uh, higher suicide rates and all these other things. So it is two very different things, um, but I think it's important to increase the conversation, you know, beyond gender norms. Because then of course, if you look at the trans and non-binary community, their experiences are gonna be much different. So I think all of this messaging that we've been talking about, about mental health and body positivity and self-love is so applicable to all genders and, and beyond the binary. And it's definitely important to deconstruct that and realize how it will impact everyone differently.
1: Yeah. And I, I actually, I completely agree. I I have a a fair number or have treated over the years, a fair number of non-binary or trans patients. And for them, exactly what you said is very important that, um, several of my patients have developed eating disorder problems because they feel if their weight goes up then they look more feminine and it's really, really, really painful for them. um, And it can be very difficult to manage when you're not, when you have an intersection of not just the size, but also thinking about how that makes you look gendered in one way or another way.
2: Yeah, exactly. It's so so complicated. And I think it's, yeah, there's so many layers to it, right? And there's so much that we're still learning and that people are still learning. But it's a really important point of conversation. Um, And I'm glad that you've seen that as well, because I think it's something that a lot of people don't talk about but it really, you know, harms people. And it's something that feels so taboo, but is really so relevant for so many.
4: Yeah, and I think from the clothing side of it, there is some sort of silver lining and excitingness around the fact that a lot of brands that are working to become more size inclusive or that are starting, that are, with the goal of being size inclusive are also considering other parts of marginalized communities within that conversation. So I think we've seen these smaller brands that are coming out with size inclusive clothing that are also coming out with clothing that has more of a range of styles from feminine to masculine to more androgynous clothing, um, which has been, I think, reaffirming in a lot of really cool ways, or even brands I've noticed that are moving away from separating female and male sizing and just using measurements so that anyone can buy the clothes and it doesn't feel like you have to go into a female section or a male section. Um, So I think there is a really cool space from the clothing industry where there's such a change happening to become more size inclusive, that within that change, we can also become more inclusive to people of all different identities.
3: And then this one also, Dr. Tubes, how does one find a therapist who is body positive um, and can talk people living in bodies of all sizes? Because that's something not not from a mental health aspect, but even from medical health, like finding, you know, um, a generalist that is not going to automatically tell you that every health problem you have is because of your weight. But looking at you as a holistic human being that, you know, encompasses a lot of different things.
1: Okay, so I'm just going to be honest. This is hard, and it's hard uh, because depending on where you live in the country, it may be difficult to find a therapist at all. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly in Texas, we have a shortage, and I—it's just—it's not easy ever. Um, so these days, the internet is a great resource. Um, there are a lot of therapists. So the biggest online place to just find, you know, a directory of mental health providers is probably the Psychology Today's website. And more and more um, people um, will list in their profile um, if they have either special populations that they're interested in or just that they, you know, they'll put statements affirming that they're open to or positive about different marginalized groups. Um, And so that can be a reasonably good place to start. Um, And then follow through on people's websites and talk to them. I think really, I mean, in practice, what happens is that once somebody finds one person, then we all network with each other. And so just like many of my patients are like, oh yeah, I know who the endocrinologist for people who, um, you know, want to be on hormones is in Austin. And I know who the person who, um, you know, is really good with um, patients who struggled with being told things by their gynecologist about their fertility because they're overweight. Like we know who the you know, the professionals know who we are. Um, And so once you get in that network, ask the people that you know and trust about who they think are good and know and trust. I think that's such a huge part of
3: it is finding somebody who not only like will listen to you and also accept that and, you know, listen to who you are as a human being without taking your size into account, but that's not part of the equation and really, you know, taking it seriously when you talk to them about symptoms or anything that you're having and not just automatically like, Oh, if you lost weight, it would get better. Yeah.
1: And I also want to say it isn't, I mean, this is sort of like the conversation people often have about race where you say, well, I don't see that. And it's not that I don't see it. Um, because sometimes it's really important for patients to have you be where they can talk to you about it. And it is important. And many of my patients come to me because this has been a big issue for them. Like for all the reasons that we talked about, they feel marginalized, they feel hurt. They've had horrible experiences with their family. Sometimes, um, the parents who tell their children, like, you'll never find a husband if you keep eating like that are still out there um, and it's terrible and they're traumatized. Um, so I, I want to get a balance where we don't attribute everything to that, but we let it take up the space it needs to in their treatment for whatever that is.
3: I don't know, John Luca or Charlotte, if either of you have anything to add to that.
2: Yeah, I would just say, I mean, I think she really nailed it on the head. And did a great job of explaining that. I just think I w- I would add to, just to circle back to where we started this conversation tonight on the topic about language, when you are looking at their websites and reaching out and having an initial phone calls, to be very aware of the language they're using. So you can tell a lot very quickly from how they speak. Um, so, to ask deliberate questions and to really vet someone um, and to really understand, you know, you can tell so much from the words that they use and the, the way that they speak and to really get into that before you kind of feel locked in. Um, I think that's important too in the whole process of doing that.
1: Most therapists and psychiatrists will talk to people, you know, for like a free phone consultation to have a chance for people to get to know us. And um, it is, I agree, it's totally important to ask the questions that you need of somebody before you commit to being their patient. Right.
3: Especially when you're going to be so vulnerable with them, it's important to have, Mm -hmm. you know, at least some of what of a connection to be able to build that trust to get to that point. Mm -hmm.
4: Yeah, and I think also along the lines of those references, when you are in situations where you're going to a new doctor and many times it's based off of a recommendation from a previous doctor, to make sure that that's something you bring up and ask your doctor and say, okay, who do you recommend knowing that this is something I really care about and need? Um, Because I know I've been in the case where doctors sort of have someone that they blanket recommend but when I specifically go and ask the question, I say, okay, but I want someone who's good in this regard, who I can talk about in my bo- my body in healthy ways. And my weight isn't going to dictate the conversation over everything else. Then they can sometimes switch who they're going to recommend to be like, actually, you might work better with this doctor. Um, so advocating for yourself also in that recommendation phase can help. So you're not spending all your time talking to seven different doctors until you finally get to one that you feel comfortable with that can cut down on that time.
3: Definitely. Um, So what do you think about vanity sizing and the impact it has on fashion, expectations and body image? Like if my dress says eight, why don't larger sizes continue that? Shouldn't a 20 say 16? Does this distort straight size people's treatment of plus size clothes slash people?
4: Personally, I think vanity sizing is this weird band-aid to a bigger problem we should be talking about which is the fact that we're adding we're assigning a value to what that number is to start with um yeah. I think in an ideal world sizes are sizes they should be universal across brands and they're just to make sure that the clothes you're wearing fit your body end of story um and I think The act of vanity sizing is also giving power to the narrative that smaller is better, that you want to have a lower number, Um, which is very detrimental to the plus size community. So I I think it should just not exist to start with across straight sizes or plus sizes.
1: It would make much more sense if they just sized everything by like the actual measurements. Yeah, that would be better and less confusing. You would actually have a better idea whether or not something would fit. I don't even think there's consistent sizing across brands anyway. It just doesn't make sense. Yeah, exactly.
4: Now. I think of men's pants and the fact that my brother can go buy things based off of the inches of his waist and the inches of his inseam. And that's that's the end of it. And I I get to play a fun game of order everything in three sizes and hope that one of them fits. And then I actually keep in my notes app what size I am in different stores because it is so hard to keep track of and varies so much. Um, so yeah, I would, I would love a universal sizing system.
3: I think even that gets difficult. Like for, I mean, I guess I can't speak for men cause I've never shopped for men's clothing, but I would imagine that if you are a man who, you know, whose body type isn't like a typical, you know, straight size, like this height to weight, like waist size to inseam ratio doesn't work, that that could be really difficult as well you know, if your body is proportioned differently and that's the same for women that it can be really difficult depending on the proportion of your body to find things that fit well. And often you have to get stuff that's custom made just to really, you know, that you feel good and comfortable in it.
1: I can tell you that that is also, it's true in many ways that this way clothes are made is not made thoughtful about the bodies that are actually going to wear them. And I, I completely get it's that I haven't had the same experiences that you guys have, but um but I do understand enough of it to say it doesn't make sense that we can't just have clothes that are tell you how big they are.
3: <laughs> like what? now yeah, like what what does a size large mean? What is that?
1: Yeah.
3: And why is women's sizing so awful when it comes to shirts? Like
1: why <laughs> why can men get pants that have, they know how long the inseam is, but women's pants, it's a mystery how long. (laughs) And
4: there's variance. I think that, that is one thing I've always been jealous of is the idea that like a guy can change size of something by going up in the waist, but not going up in the inseam or vice versa. Whereas I I'm lucky that I'm like the average height so normally lengths are okay on me but there's so many things where I'm like I wish I could up my chest size but not up the arms or vi- those like yeah. individual measurements and sizing garments that way would be so useful cuz I know I talked to Natalie about in terms of cuts you look at um the cut of a size small versus a size large versus a size 3x and somehow Like they just go bigger in inches and no one thinks about the fact that bodies, the weight gets distributed different ways. And all of a sudden a pattern that was great on a size small, when you just add inches on either side, no longer looks great in the size 3X, despite it being the same clothing item.
3: Yeah, those proportions are significantly different as you get into different sizes. So I'm we are getting close to the end of our time. So if each of you has something that you kind of like want to leave people with or things, if you want to, John Luca, talk about your book a little bit, um, just anything that you want to leave people with, whether that's, you know, things that you're excited about, that you're working towards, or even just a final thought. um, We'll start with you, John Luca.
2: Yeah. Well, thank you for having me today. It was so great to have this conversation um, I always love having like really you know thoughtful conversations like these. I think they have a great impact. Um, and so thank you for having me. Yeah, I think I kind of my final thing here is just going back to just the a message of worth that we talked before. Um, and I think that's so important to remember in all of this as we each go on our individual journeys is to always remember that and to give ourselves the space to grow and to feel things and to just be ourselves and to learn who exactly we are. And, and kind of that quality of authenticity has become so commercialized, unfortunately, but it really is so powerful when you're able to live your life authentically. So I hope that everyone can do that and continue to push towards that. Um, yes, in terms of me, I have a book coming out next summer called The Power Plus, which is tied to our community, of course, and is about the evolution of Ponce's fashion and specifically about the women who have built this community over the past 20 years. Um, and so it tells their stories in a way that they haven't been able to do before. So that'll be out next summer. Um, and of course, if you follow our community on Instagram, you will be updated once uh, you are able to pre order and get that. But yeah, I hope to continue to have more conversations like these and whatever things I have planned for the next year and a half and are able to do. Um, I hope we can continue to have these really kind of impactful and thought provoking conversations.
3: Marissa, if you want to go next.
1: Well, I also just want to say I've enjoyed this opportunity and Usually when people ask me to give this kind of statement, and particularly when we're talking about self-worth and value, is it, from my perspective as a clinician, I always want people to know that if you're struggling, to remember that you're worth and you deserve to get people's help. And so I know that not every provider is great and that people have had bad experiences with physicians and psychiatrists and therapists. Um, but you deserve to get help if you need it. So if there's anybody out here who's really struggling and they need it, it don't be afraid to you know, ask for it. And to like, we all talked about all these things. Maybe you have to talk to 10 therapists, but you should do it because you deserve to find a good one. Charlotte, do you have any uh, closing thoughts? Yeah, I think to
4: sort of pull it all together, I think it really does come back to community and the people you surround yourself with, whether that's, mental health professionals, whether that's just friends, whether that's people on the internet, having that network to support you at the end of the day is what's going to make it easier to go on that journey of self-love and to define that self-worth for yourself and to seek out those communities wherever you can. If you are plus size, you know, find Power Plus, find Cute the Curves, find these spaces that you can join and really connect with. If there are other communities you're looking for, seek them out. That is one of the beauties of the internet and you truly can find them. And it, it is a game changer once you join them and really buy into this, this larger support network of people who really care for you and want the best for you.
3: Absolutely. I think like the, the biggest by and large thing for me is that like you're worthy, you are worthy and give yourself permission to feel that, right? Like, don't, don't feel like you need to hold back that, like, you need to wait to do something like, oh, I can't do that. I need to lose weight before I do that. Or, you know, that I, you know, don't deserve nice things or fancy things or whatever the case may be. Like you're worthy exactly where you're at right now. And honestly, and I can say this about everybody, like the number on the scale is the least interesting thing about you. Like that should have no bearing whatsoever on who you are as a person. And I tell people that all the time. I'm like, really my, my dress size, the number on the scale, all like none of that is important. I have way cooler things going on in my life that that shouldn't matter. So just really, you know, like appreciate where you are. And that doesn't mean that you have to like, oh, I love myself and I'm the greatest. Sometimes it's just a matter of, you know, like being at peace with yourself and appreciating what you've been able to accomplish thus far And have some hope for what that means for the future. So I'm super thankful for all three of you. I appreciate you. Thank you for sharing your time with us this evening. It has been incredible. I really enjoyed it. And I hope everybody else got some thought-provoking things to take back with them, especially I'm really going to take with me that you are in a long-term relationship with yourself. So that's something you need to work on and kind of like help yourself through. So I really appreciate that.
2: I'll be back. I'm just reaching for a goal. So don't be upset when I'm not around. Just know I'll be back. So do no need a frown.
0: Thanks for joining us for another episode of We Got Goals, which is in a sweatlife.com production. Thanks to Ryan Deffitt for audio production, to Ryan Barayuga for video editing. And also thanks to you, our dearest community and friends, for listening and sharing this podcast with your buddies. If you want to subscribe, rate, and review, you can do that on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and anywhere you get your shows.